I, I wanted to spend some time this morning just uh, looking at principles. You know, you can sing about thanking God. You can sing about praising Him. God's given you something. Uh, by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift. But what you do with the gift is very important. And uh, I find a lot of people are careless with life, careless with how they are, and they get themselves in bother because of sheer carelessness. Um, let me read something from Richard Baxter. He lived a little while ago in 1615 to 1691. My Lord, I have nothing to do in this world but to seek to serve thee. I have nothing to do with a heart and its affections but to breathe after thee. I have nothing to do with my tongue and pen but to speak to thee and for thee and to publish thy glory and thy will. Now he was a Puritan and uh, I want to read it again. Listen to it. My Lord, I have nothing to do in this world but to seek and serve thee. I have nothing to do with a heart and its affections but to breathe after thee. I have nothing to do with my tongue and pen but to speak to thee and for thee and to publish thy glory and thy will. He was a man called of God, sent of God, with a purpose in God. And many, many people are really caught out by the fact that when you get saved, uh, and when you're truly born from above, your life has a purpose. And most people forget very quickly what God did for them. And their lives lose focus. Instead of focusing on what God put me on earth for, and you on earth for, they get a focus on something else. And the enemy of our soul is always seeking to change our focus from our purpose. Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray, he said, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Whose kingdom? Thine. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if God's will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven, who's going to do it? We are. Because we belong to him. And so, uh, I thought it would be good this morning to draw your attention to one or two things. And uh, it's good to do it. You might not like it. So if you're one of those people that uh, thinks that the grace of God is sufficient and therefore it doesn't matter what you do in life, you might not like this. Uh, because it'll be very direct. You know, in life, there are, there are two types of people. There are the failures 
And as I say, that's a gift. The easiest way to fail is to sit down, fold your arms, and do nothing. Uh, you can succeed in life by diligence. But supposing your diligence takes you outside of God's will. The Bible says, what can a man give for his soul? If you gain, said Jesus, the whole world and lose your own soul, what has it profited you? Success is nothing to do with money. Success is nothing to do with wealth. Unfortunately, the Church of Jesus Christ has gone way off beam and they somehow think that, you know, if you, God prospers you, then it's success. No. God put us on this earth to accomplish something that's clear. Uh, and what we have come to accomplish is one thing. I want to do his will. That's it. Uh, and whatever he does, and he orders all things after the counsel of his own will, if I get out of order, it's because I've lost sight of what I've come to do. Lo, in the volume of the book it is written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. And in the end, an empty life is the life of a man who sought to do his own will, benefit himself, live for himself, and in the end he gets nothing. Terrible in that day to go and face God, and you find that you wasted your life. Totally. A lot of people waste their lives. And I, I just want to take you to scriptures. Turn with me to Matthew 25. Let's read it. Matthew 25 verse 14 says this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country, who calleth his own servants, and delivereth unto them his goods. And to Unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his individual ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. So he that had received five talents came and bought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, 
good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him that hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It seems so uh, unreasonable that the man with one talent should end up losing it and the man with ten gets. But you've got to look at attitudes. And attitudes, as my dear friend Benson used to say, attitude determines your altitude. And you'll find in Luke's gospel, when it talks of the talents, says the man with five talents straight away went and did something about it. Now, if you look at talents, abilities, some people say it's natural ability. No, it's not. It's God's ability because he took of God and gave it. He gave them, and you'll notice that the Lord comes back to take what's his own. And, and the whole thing is this. Every individual Christian has a responsibility to live his life and be diligent in his life to perfect that which God has given him and to increase it. It's not a matter of saying, well, God saved me, God met me, but what have you done with what God gave you? Buried it? Well, I'm grateful that God really gave me this or gave me that, but what have you done with it? You see, in the end, God wants to know what you do with your talents. If you don't do the right thing with your talents, you're in trouble. I watch a lot of people with real gift live thinking their gift is sufficient. Well, the gift is not sufficient. You can live off your gift and never increase it. There are two types of people on earth. There are the people who have a natural ability and a gifting given from God who, instead of using it, just rely on it. Instead of increasing it, they just use it. 
And they think their natural gift and ability is sufficient. Well, it isn't. You've got to increase it. And God expects each of his children to be diligent and realize, hey, what God's given you, the light that God's given you, you better increase it, man. You better be diligent. Because if you're not, it'll be taken from you and you'll be cast into outer darkness. You say, well, I thought grace was free. Sure it is. The gifts God gave were free. When the Lord went away, he gave of his substance to each one. And yet, when he came back, he wanted to know what they'd done with it. And I find so many Christians, so-called, sit in a church and they never, ever increase what God gave them. They sit there waiting for someone to spoon-feed them and they think they have no responsibility before God to increase it. Well, I've got news for you. You live like that and you'll find out you're going to lose what you thought you had because there'll always come a day of reckoning. That doesn't mean you'll lose your salvation, you'll lose your reward, and you'll end up with nothing. Christianity is not about saying, thank you, Lord, great for what you've done. I have no responsibility. Responsibility is part of life. Everything you have, God gave you. What are you doing with it? Now, you'll notice that they all had to come back and it was God's, not theirs. And the return was to God. They weren't building their kingdom. It was his. They weren't building what they wanted. There's two types of people in the earth. I, I, I often listen to to people playing the piano. Now, I've seen people with great talent play the piano, and they're absolutely dead. Best musicians we've ever had was Larry Dalton came here. Difference between Larry Dalton and most musicians is when he was young, he realized he had to increase his talent. And in the end, he worked and worked and worked, until, when he gets on a piano, he can make it talk. He can actually minister life. Now, how does he do it? Well, he's a master of his instrument. But you don't become a master without absolute diligence. So many people take their talents and gifts, and they think their gift will get them through. It'll get you through this life, but unfortunately you're going to lose it all. Because when the Lord comes and says, well, what have you done with your life? You'll discover you never increased anything. All you did was rely on it. Life's about increase. Abundant life is about living with a determination to increase. 
I, I just don't like sitting back and doing nothing. I like change. I like to go on. To me, life's all about improving, increasing, going on. A challenge. But I, I see a lot of people, they just, they're happy and content to be nothing. Do nothing, get nowhere. If you aim at nothing, you're bound to hit it. And there's a lot of people like that. They don't want to make a mark in the earth. They're not interested. Now, you know, in business, you can do a lot of things. But in the end, my question will always be, did you realize that all gift came from God and you should be using your gift to enrich him, not yourself? The wrong man said, well, I got one talent. I knew you were austere. I knew that you didn't actually, you wanted increase without actually giving anything. You expected us to do it. Hey, God expects you to do something. Always. God expects it. And to me, it's, um, I can't believe that people are so stupid. You can always muddle through on an ability, and I'll tell you what, uh, the gift will appear to be okay, but the truth is that that is insufficient. In life, insufficiency. A lot of salesmen have the gift of the gap. A lot of them lie. Uh, in the end, it'll catch them out. Your ability is a waste of time. You've got to work. I remember uh, my job was to sell printing machines. Uh, and it occurred to me very quickly that I, I earned 15% of what I sold. Now, 15% of what you sold was okay. Now, there were printing machines that were worth only 750 pounds. Then they went up to 1,700 pounds. And then I found there were, there were equipment that cost 10 grand. Now, 15% of 10 grand is a lot better than 15% of 750 pounds. Don't you agree? especially all those years ago. So I thought to myself, the only thing I'd ever like to sell is the 10 grand machines. Uh, because to me, it seemed more sensible to make good money. See, thinking. But I discovered that all the salesmen said, Oh, no, what you want to do is always start off with the cheapest machine. It seemed to me stupid. So I, I, what I did, I went to the biggest firm around, which was Pilkington's, glass manufacturers. I went there, and I got into the engineering department, and I, I was competing with rank Xerox. And I went in there and um, met one of the bosses, and I said, look, um, 
If I can show you something that will do better than you could do at five times the speed and produce something which is perfect, would you be interested? He said, yes. I said, great, I've got the machine. Uh, and I will save you money. I will cut your costs. And he was quite interested, you know. Now, I want to tell you something. I did not know how to turn the machine on, <coughs> let alone work it. So I got them to come down for a demonstration, and thank God I had a demonstrator who could work the machine. I knew where the on-off switch was, and I didn't. You see, I learned long ago, no one buys a piece of machinery, they buy what it can do. So my first uh, demonstration, I went up to the office. Now, uh, Harry Bloomfield was the guy who'd employed me. He said, it's immoral what you're doing. I said, why, Harry? He said, well, you don't even know how to turn the machine on. How are you going to tell them how it works? I said, they don't want to know how it works. They want to know what it does. He said, no, 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 you've got to explain to them. I said, no, Harry. And I went and I wrote out an order, which I intended them to sign. I put it on top of the machine. And Harry said, you can't do that. You've used an order form. He said, supposing they won't sign. I said, they'll sign. He said, but you can't tell them anything about the machine. I said, Harry, don't worry. I said, you're going to get 5% of this deal. And he looked at me and he said, you can't do it. So I went down and I demonstrated the machine. And I said, now, but before I went out, I said, if this machine would do what I said it'll do, and I can prove it, are you prepared to sign the order right now? They said, yeah, if, if it can do it. I said, fine. I said, I've got the order on top of the machine. We'll show and I got the demonstrator to demonstrate. She did a perfect job. And I opened the order. And I said, you sign here, here, and here. And he got out his pen, signed there, there, and there. And Harry, who was training me, had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> he walked off up to the office. He couldn't stand it. He just couldn't stand, and we had a cup of coffee. Only took 10 minutes, we had a cup of coffee. Uh, and I went upstairs with the order, and I dropped it on my you know, the manager's desk, and I said, there you are. 15%, 10 grand. Hey, shall I tell you something? Everyone that despised me and said it was wrong, after a time, they've been in the firm a long time, they suddenly thought, how come someone can walk in and make money? And I sold 20 of them to Kraft Cheese. I tell you, I went up, <laughs> I went up to the office. <laughs> Harry came and he said, it's disgraceful, it's immoral. He said, they've walked out of the showroom, they don't even know how the machine works. I said, Harry, I don't know how it works. He said, but you, you have to know. I said, no, you don't. You have to know what it does. Do you know the secret of life? 
People don't want explanations of the mechanics. They want practical solutions. I, I'm a preacher. I don't know how God heals anyone. I've never figured it out. When you lay hands on the sick, they recover. I couldn't explain to you how it happens. I just know God does it. Hey, he's no machine. He's the living God. He created heaven and earth. He's wonderful. I find so many people, they lose sight of their objective. Your objective is to accomplish what you want to. God gave us talents and abilities. You hone them in. You use your abilities to produce what you need. The one thing you realize is it's God who lifts up. It's God who honors. And it's a gift of God and you use it for God's purposes. Smart man uses the gifts God's given him in a smart way. So I'm not talking theory. I'm talking practice. Life's full of practice, you know. It doesn't matter what you are. If you want to succeed in life, you can succeed. But the most important thing is to find out what God wants. What does God want for my life? In the end, I had to uh, quit and, and go God's way. Um, you know, being a preacher is the most uh, dastardly thing in life because you get up every week and you preach what God gives you to preach. And you know it's the foolishness of preaching that saves people. And you know that at least two-thirds of the dumb clucks that sit in front of you, I'm referring to you, um, are going to sit there, listen, and do nothing about it. You know there are people who, no matter what you say to them, they'll still do the wrong thing. And you think, my God, there's better ways to earn a living. But in the end, Paul said, you know, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. The love of Christ constraineth me. The only reason I'm here is because I love Christ. If you think that you drew me here, think again, honey. Uh, there's better things to do in life. And you know that if God doesn't give increase, nothing happens. If God doesn't lighten a man. You can tell, how can you tell a blind person the different tones of blue. There's dark blue, raw blue, light blue. How can you explain to a blind person the different colors when he's never seen? You can't. And when you get up and preach and you know there's a load of blind people in front of you and they can't see anyway, and if God doesn't open their eyes, you're on your own. You think, well, this isn't an easy job. But then you just are faithful to God because you know there are going to be those who God will open their eyes, they'll understand. And there'll be other people sitting there. They can sit there for 50 years. They'll never, ever see. What a, what a life. 
people wonder, they think there's a methodology in it. People have said to me, well, you know, uh, ha, ha, often people will ask me this question when I travel the world. They say, uh, Bishop, uh, tell us the secret of miracles. I mean, that's dumb stupid. How do you heal? Well, I don't. God does. And I have no idea how he does it. Frankly, it fascinates me. I've seen the most strange things happen, and I've wondered. One, I was over in um, Ghana in a cathed Methodist cathedral, and this guy came out, and he got cancer of the stomach, and he couldn't walk, and his stomach was out like that. Looked pregnant. And, and he came, and he was in agony. He was going to die. And he came out for prayer. And I prayed for him. And I put my hand on his stomach, and it just went, and it was gone. Just went back to normal. Do you know, I looked down at the floor to see if anything had come out of somewhere. I couldn't, it just went. It was just like a balloon. It just went, and it was gone. And he started running and jumping. Now, what did God do with it? How did it get out of his gut and vanish? I, I, I've seen God create eyeballs in people who've got no eyes and give them sight. How does he do it? Where does he get it from? I, you know, I don't know how. I just know it's happened. I, and I think... Some people are always trying to work out and figure out the how of everything. Hey, who cares? I find people like to be so intelligent, they want all the answers. My conclusion is, it's better not to have any of the answers. It's better to have faith in God, isn't it? Hello? You see, if you're walking in God's will, it doesn't matter how he does it. It just matters that he does. And the man with talents, God-given talents, he doesn't know how to increase it except by diligence in being obedient to what God says. The secret is it's God's possession and God will give increase if you're diligent with it. But if you take it and you sit there and you do nothing with it, it's going to be taken away from you. If you're careless, he'll call you lazy when he comes. You'll have all sorts of, well, I knew you were all stiff. Well, it was hard. You're a hard man. Well, I buried it to keep it safe. Great for you. It'll go. Life's about taking hold of life and doing something with it. You don't just sit there and do... Uh, the, the thought, some people talk about retirement. You know, it, I, to retire is to die. To give up on life. 
While I was in the police, it's one thing I could have retired at 49 on a full pension, two-thirds of my salary, it would have been. And I suddenly discovered that people that are retired, policemen, do you know the average length of life they had after they retired? Two years. And they were retiring at 49 and 50, and they were popping their clogs two years after they retired. Do you know why? They gave up on life. That's the average. And you suddenly think, goodness me. People that retire die. The last thing you ever want to do is quit. Work. Work never killed anyone, so why risk being the first? You have to just work. And you take your talents and you multiply them. And you multiply your gifting. Look what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 4. says this in verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Do you know, God gives light. He commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He's shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, as in the face of Jesus Christ. When I first became a Christian, I couldn't find people who knew what I'd experienced. I went to church after church. I was led to the Lord by Americans, by Dima Shikarian and his wife Rose. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then I, I, I found a place where there was life. I'll tell you, every weekend on a Friday, when I got out of work, I'd drive 250 miles to go where there was life. And I'd drive back overnight on the Sunday to get back to work on the Monday. I'll tell you why. What mattered in my life was life. And I, I went and I collected old books, and then I... I, I could fellowship with people like George Fox, William Penn, Isaac Pennington, uh, Richard Baxter, Charles Wesley, Whitfield. And I, I, I'd work and I'd read into the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning. Uh, and then I'd get up, go to work, start at six in the morning. Uh, but my life was geared, I wanted to know You know, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to know what's real. My fellowship with people who'd gone to glory. I found fellowship. I spent my time studying. And it's not that I come and somehow, you know, I reach 64 and therefore, no, it took a lot of work. It took diligence. And I find some Christians, their whole attitude is so, so dilatory.
well, you know, come to church, praise God. And then they wonder why their gifts never function. I meet pastors, and the only thing they're looking for is a sermon for the next week. They're not interested in life. They're not diligent. We've got this treasure in an earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power might be of God. What brings revelation to a man's heart? That I might know him and the power of his resurrection. That I might taste of the powers of the world to come. That's you as an individual. It's not anything to do with evangelizing or, or preaching or ministry. It's to do with life. You as an individual, increasing in the knowledge of God. That you might come to the reality that's spoken of in Scripture. Let's look. You know, it's good because the Bible says everything. Ephesians 3, verse 16. Uh, 3.16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all, that we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen? Amen. Now look at it. It says that uh, Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, that's understand with all saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I love that, don't you? Hey. To have all the fullness of God, to understand God's love, to know, that is fulfillment. Being full of God is the greatest fulfillment in life. That I might know him. And I find so many people, they're looking for ministry, they're looking for gift, they're looking to do something. Hey, the source is God himself. And talent is light that God gives you. Are you increasing it? What are you doing about it? I find some people, they put God second and third. You know, you have a meeting on a Friday night and you look around and you say, where's so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? I tell you, they don't value God at all. Don't even bother. Oh, no, they've got things to do. I'll tell you what I did. When I went into business and whenever I went, the first things came, God came first. My Bible says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness there was no way I was going to miss a meeting ever and I didn't why? because the word of God was the most precious thing in my life 
to understand the love of God, to know Him, was the most precious thing of all. I tell you this, I never missed a weekend. Never. I didn't go off. I'll tell you the people that do, the people who have no respect for God and no value in the things of God. They're the people that treat God with disdain. And I'll tell you what will happen, they'll end up with nothing. Because they neglect the grace of God and the instruments of grace. Lots of good excuses was wrong. What you value most, where your treasure is, there's where your heart is. Look where your heart is. I see people, they go off, all they're interested in is making money, gaining position. I want to tell you something, there's always going to come a day of reckoning, and honey, you better work it out, because it's coming as sure as night follows day. There's no good saying, oh well... God's not a fool. You know where there's a man found a pearl of greatest price. What did he do? He sold everything to buy the field where it was. What was valuable to him? The pearl of greatest price. <laughs> You've got to sell yourself out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you can't do that, don't call yourself a Christian. And when you start telling, oh, oh, you know, there's no compulsion in it. I'll tell you what, people that receive their talents, God didn't compel them to. Didn't say, now you've got to go and earn double. There was gratefulness of heart. I'm grateful to God. I tell you, I'm grateful to God for what he's done. I'm grateful to God for my grandchildren. I'm grateful to God for everything I have. I'm grateful to God for my life. I, I tell you, it, it's, it's just good to see the goodness of God. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 1 says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. I've fed you with milk, not with meat. Meat is doing the will of God. Babes need milk. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then... Neither he that planteth, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every one shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now let me emphasize this. Everyone, it says, 
everyone shall receive his own reward according to what? His own. So reward in life is according to how you work. Verse 9, for we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For no other foundation, uh, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You know, reward comes from production. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now notice in verse 16, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Do you know, if there's not effectual working in every part, the whole body of Christ suffers. If I were to say, look, uh, we've got this to do or that to do, I can rely on certain people turning up to work. I can rely on certain people never turning up. I can rely on certain people being absolutely diligent, and I can know that there are certain people that are so selfish and self-centered, they'll never do anything. That's the way life is. But I'll tell you this. Your talent is buried. And in the end, you're going to lose what you thought you had. It'll be taken away. And if you want to find out what our outer darkness is, fine. Go ahead. I don't happen to want to find out. It depends on where your heart is. 
That's where your treasure is. And it's the effectual working in every part. Every part has a part to play in the body of Christ. It's not a matter of saying, oh, well, you know, uh, thank God for so-and-so. They'll do it. No, you. It's the effectual working. Every part has a part to play. Do you know what makes this church what it is? I'll tell you what makes it what it is. Faithful people. People who've given their lives to be faithful. I'll tell you what makes the school the most successful school in the country. Faithful people. I'll tell you what makes the church what it is. Faithful people. You know, I believe this. The Jews tithed. You know, it was a principle in God, tithing for the Jewish nation. I don't believe we're under law. I think we're in grace. But if we can't even measure up to what the Jews did, and we've got better promises, better hope, and better blessing, something's gone sadly wrong with the heart of the people. You know how God finds out whether you're faithful or not? It's in the little things. You get found out in the little things, and you'll find the Lord said, hey, You've been faithful in the little thing. You took the gifts of God and you used them. And the story says, because you were faithful in the little... I find some Christians have no faithfulness in anything. And then they come to church and, oh God, bless me. They get their lives in messes and they can't understand why it all happened. I'll tell you why it happened. Because you never went to God's will at all. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Beg your pardon? Faithful. Moreover, it is required. It's, it's, not an, uh, it's not something that's just, uh, you know, well, maybe, maybe not. No, it's required. It's required of a steward that a man be found faithful. And every single one of you that's born from above, who's received life, I'll tell you what you are. You're a steward of the mysteries of God and God expects you and requires you to be faithful. Faithful to Him. Faithful to the Word. Faithful to life. Faithful to the church of Jesus Christ. Faithful. And that means you live for God. Is that plain? It's not a, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. It does matter. In every area of your life, God wants you faithful. He gave you life. He gave you breath. He gave you gift. He gave you everything. And what have you given to him? It's required. It's not an option. It's a requirement. And I find too many people, they've opted out. Oh, well, you know, don't want to do this, don't want to do... It's required. 
A man be found, and not for a week, and not for a year, and not for two. You're required to be faithful the whole of your life. Faithful. I see some people, you did start well, says Paul. Who's bewitched you? It's required of a steward that a man be found. That's a requirement. Everyone's, oh, well. You know, oh, it's all grace. Sure it is. It's a gift. But once you've got the gift, you're a steward. What are you going to do with it? You see, grace, 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 with no responsibility is no grace at all. I find people, they like the idea of it's all free. Sure it is. The grace of God is free. Blessings free. Healings free. Everything. Ah, but once you become a steward, there's a requirement. No one likes responsibility and requirements. That what they want to do is come and take. You might not like it, but God says so. So, send a complaint to him. Tell him, you know, didn't like that bit of scripture. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2 says this, You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also made us able ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, the spirit giveth life. Let me make it quite plain. Paul said, you're our epistles, seen and read of all men. Do you know people see and read you? I, I, I see people, you know the people that are faithful and you know the people that aren't. You know the people that are takers and the people that are faithful. You know the people that don't care, give diligence. You know, little things tell you a lot. Habits in people's lives tell you everything about them. People have habits. Just a habit. There's some people who never be on time for anything. You know, my time's valuable. Everyone here, your time's valuable. Do you know, it's just bad manners to turn up to a church meeting late. Oh, I've got to travel. Well, start off earlier. Man, as a steward, you're found faithful. It's amazing how people, faithful people, get there on time. 
Faithful people care. You know, if you're going to do anything in life and you want to succeed, you have to be faithful. It means you have to get up, you have to do it. You have to show diligence. They find out. Faithful people. You know, it's required of a steward that a man be found. It's a requirement. There are some people, there's no faithfulness in them at all. God intends us to be faithful. You know, no, no boss wants to hire someone who can't get to work on time. It's no good having a cook and you have lunch at 12 or 1 and you find they don't turn up till half past 1 to cook your food. I mean, you won't want to keep them, will you? It's amazing if you value God, how lightly you take him. Faithfulness. When I have to travel, I always say to my wife, I want to get there early. Why? Because I don't like being late. I hate it. It drives me bananas if I get stuck in trouble. I, I want to be there long before. So I leave enough time. I expect bad things to happen. Like the M25 to become a car park. I expect. So I leave time. Why do I leave time? Because I know I need to give the time. Say, so, well, you'll get there an hour early. I'd, I'd rather get there an hour early than five minutes late. Why? Because God requires a man be... You know, faithfulness had to do with the whole attitude of life. You end up your whole life, uh, and success in life comes from faithfulness. One thing I found, that the old proverb is correct. It's the early bird that gets the worm. It's no good coming in when all the worms are eaten. Not that I eat worms. Faithfulness demands... You, you just have a diligence. And you look at people and you think, how come they miss it? Most important thing in life, faithfulness. God gave us life. Got to be faithful. Amen?